What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. Hope you're doing well. Today, I am going to be covering a couple quick stories. Both are from Coindesk, so I will share the archive link for those. Uh, then we're going to look at the charts a little bit, uh, and that's about it for today. Pretty quick and easy show here. So some admin notes up front. Remember, tomorrow is Thursday, which is my FedWatch day. We will be covering CPI. And speaking of CPI, I did put out a Market Pro issue. So this is the second issue of my new paid newsletter, uh, the Premium Market Pro. If you guys want a 50% off your first month, you can go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash pro 50 to get 50% off the first month. Um, anyway, so this is the second one, and it was really taking a, a deeper dive into the CPI, what we just saw come out of the CPI, and the reactions by the market. So, you know, we had a 0.5% yesterday. We did that live stream reaction to the 0.5%, right in line with most expectations, both core and headline and month and year over year. Everything was pretty much right on line. Um, and it was a little bit higher than it has been in the past several months. And so what does that mean for markets? What has the market, how has the market reacted to the CPI? Anyway, that's what I took a look at in the second issue of the Market Pro. So check that out, guys. That is a great way to uh, get ahead of the curve and understand some uh, longer or get my longer term insights on not only Bitcoin, but we're, you know, because Bitcoin is part of this world now. It's part of the broad macroeconomic climate. And so when we look at Bitcoin, we can't just look at on-chain statistics. We have to look at where Bitcoin fits in with a broader picture, a broader narrative of where the world is going. And I'm going to get sidetracked on this a little bit, but one thing I've been noticing a lot is people saying like, this is our moment. We need to stand up and we need to say something. We need to change the world. The world is going in a direction we don't like. And I agree with all of that. But I think the reason that people do that, it's the same with Bitcoin evangelism. Okay. The reason people evangelize Bitcoin is because they are responding to their own personal incentives. Their DNA is in the milieu of the world. And what, they're, what they decide to do is dependent individually on their DNA. But that doesn't have, if the world isn't ready for change, the individual is not going to be able to make a change. So anyway, I don't know where I was going with that other than saying um, the way I view the evolution of Bitcoin and of macro is going away from a credit-based dollar system. That was a period of time that is unique in human history. And we're going away from that towards a more multi-regional world where there's a lot more conflict. There's a lot less credit. There's a lot less international trade. And in that era, we need a, a neutral money. So that also puts me at odds with the people that have this future, this vision of the future. Like I call it a Star Trek vision highly, highly technologically advanced post-money civilization, something like that. I don't think that's in our future. Um, I think that 
we're going to have to learn how to live on this world in within uh you know the confines of the resources and the confines of our planet here um nature we're part of nature we're going to be part of this nature and that's what is going to happen going forward so i'm i don't buy into the whole utopian vision i think people that buy into the scientific utopian vision they are progressives as well they're progressives on the other extreme so you have socialist progressives where they they're technocrats and they want to uh they have the right formula they have the right plan they have the right management abilities we haven't socialism has failed because we haven't tried the right socialism yet we haven't put the right people in charge and they are the right people so those are the progressives on that side of the house but then you also have the technological progressives that are you know they're they're technology maximalists and they think that the technology is a never ending string of advancement all we need is to get rid of government regulation and we'll have infinite technological advancement i don't i don't see that at all government has actually gone a long way to promoting technological advancement you know think about the internet you know it started from darpa government and satoshi isn't necessarily i mean he he obviously we don't know if he was a government agent or we we'd like to think that he's not but it's possible that he is but so many things in technology actually especially uh the one to many's not the zero to one type of innovation but the one to many's most of those i think come from government advancement um just look at like rocket engines um nuclear energy uh all that stuff pretty much everything that we see today as a technological advancement i would say 95% of it came from a government program of some sort and so you know that it just doesn't bear fruit that a totally free market is going to be highly technologically advanced i actually think it would revert Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I talk about here and Bitcoin fits into this. Uh Bitcoin is gives us the first way I mean gold would have been another solution but not as good as Bitcoin in this era of deglobalization. So anyway, that's that is a, in a nutshell what I talk about here. So let's get on to the first story. Good lord, I that was a huge long intro. I didn't plan to do it that long. All right, this is a story from Coindesk and I recommend if you are ever sharing stories from Coindesk to use the archive link as to not give them the clicks they are shitcoin maximalists and scam promoters and they they even when they last year they had like the the top what was it the top 100 developments of 2022 and not a single one of them had anything to do with bitcoin and Cory Clipson or whatever his name is from Swan he called him out on a Twitter spaces and they still couldn't name anything they're like well what would you say Cory and Cory's like well I'm I'm calling you out on this right now but if you ask me I would say XYZ and he named a bunch of things so like Coindesk is not something that we want to necessarily promote clicks to but this was a good story or at least a good headline that I saw I haven't read through the whole thing yet 
So we'll see what they're having to say here. But the headline is, the SEC is taking aim at Paxos, and annoyingly, it's good for Bitcoin. Why this jumped out at me was because on some of my latest live streams, I said what the SEC is doing actually is going to benefit Bitcoin. It's going to benefit the space uh, long term. Oh, boy. Sorry, have an alarm set. Uh, Okay, so uh, the subtitle is, while the largest cryptocurrency has not been directed, uh, not been a direct focus for regulators, Bitcoiners should not become cheerleaders. Of course, they are shitcoin promoters. And so, of course, they want to say Bitcoiners should not become cheerleaders because the SEC is going after the scams, right? They don't they don't like that. Barry Silbert, owner of Coindesk, doesn't like that. Um, anyway, chalk, it, chalk up another point for the regulators as the crypto onslaught continues. I hate to make this about Bitcoin, but I will because in a way, this is about Bitcoin. And this, for some reason, this... Uh, page cut off when it was archived. Interesting. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission reportedly plans to sue crypto firm Paxos for violating investment investor protection laws because the firm issues, maintains, and white labels Binance USD. The SEC alleges that Binance USD, a U.S. dollar stablecoin with Binance branding, is an unregistered security. And while it seems bad for Binance USD and Paxos, it's good for Bitcoin. Leave it to the Bitcoin maximalists, I guess. Never mind if it makes a shred of sense that something with no expectation of profit can be deemed a security. Paxos still decided to stop minting the stablecoin starting February 21st at the direction of the NYDFS. Paxos has since said it categorically disagrees with the SEC on the point that BUSD is a security and is prepared to vigorously litigate if necessary. Points were also recently awarded to the regulators following crypto exchange Kraken settlement with the SEC. Oh, there it goes. Um, Now, how the hell do I get back there? There we go. Uh, Last week on Changes, it was offering unregistered securities through a staking as a service platform. Okay. Again, never mind if the regulation makes a shred of sense. It's regulation nonetheless. No regulation for you, Bitcoin. What's missing from the regulator's recent push is anything that represents a direct attack on Bitcoin. Sure, there were warnings of market volatility, and a lot of Bitcoin's most used trading pairs feature the stablecoins regulators are focused on, but putting Bitcoin in a chokehold isn't a priority. That's mostly because it would be quite difficult to do so. For all the issues Bitcoin's decentralized design presents, there isn't a central company or individual that the government can pinpoint for a targeted regulatory push as it could for stablecoins, i.e. Paxos and Circle or staking providers, Kraken and Coinbase. The network is decentralized enough that it would take the battering in stride. It would take a widespread, highly coordinated and expensive attack to meaningfully slow down the Bitcoin network. I mean, guys, this is, these are the altcoiners seeing the light. They're seeing the light here. Yes, Bitcoin doesn't have a centralized point of failure. That's what the term decentralized means. All of these altcoins were never decentralized. DeFi was never decentralized. Ethereum, never decentralized. And they're learning this and they're admitting this right now. 
And of course, yes, Bitcoin has not been the brunt of these attacks. And Bitcoin will actually benefit from some like common sense regulation here. Bitcoiners have said for years since altcoins even were, you know, a glimmer since the first maybe five to 10 different altcoins were produced. Bitcoiners said these were unregistered securities from the very beginning. And they have been the entire time. All they've done is done some obscuring of the facts by different labels and different terms, garnering the terms of uh, trying to use the terms of blockchain and decentralization, perverting those terms and using them for their own ends. But it has never changed the basic fact, which Gary Gensler, SEC chairman, said on my, I think it was Friday's podcast when I played that clip of his, um, the where he said, no, it's not about the labels. It's about the economics of it. And ever since the beginning, Bitcoiners have said these were unregistered securities. And so why are people even like, why, why is this even an issue now? I mean, we knew they were coming, right? Everybody knew they were coming. If you didn't, if you listen to people in the space that said, oh yeah, this centralized DeFi or this centralized altcoin makes a lot of sense. And oh man, it has so much promise. And yeah, I'm swapping, like they're, they're rebalancing their portfolio once a week to take advantage of these pump and dumps and to take advantage of just pure marketing pushes on these things. They were wrong. They were wrong and you were wrong for listening to them. And now hopefully you're listening to this podcast and you see the light and you understand that Bitcoin is the only thing. And altcoiners at Coindesk are starting to see this as well. So anyway, I thought this was a great article. Let's go on to the charts. So here's Bitcoin and I've been talking about this little dip here. Let me put my arrow back on if I still have it. What we see here for Bitcoin is it's pushing through this kind of resistance zone. Uh, this red kind of bar here is the bottom of this kind of upper pattern, horizontal resistance. We'll see if it gets rejected from that zone, comes back down, maybe tests the 50-day moving average and goes up. I don't know. It didn't quite get down as low as I thought it would. I thought it would come down and test 21,000 even, but it only got down to 21,300. Uh, so anyway, it's it's looking, it's following the general idea of this pattern, general path. And we'll see. Uh, RSI has reset, if I can open this up. So this is the RSI. And you can see it, it went all the way from a super, super high level of 89, has reset all the way down below 50, and now is coming back up. So that's a very, very strong indication that the consolidation is over and we are going to go higher. So that is Bitcoin. Okay, well, the next next one I have up here is going to be this one from MarketWatch, and it's talking about the retail sales surge. You might have seen some macro people talking about that this morning. So in January, it surged 3%. In, this is in the U.S. Retail sales surged 3% at start of 2023. In clear sign, the economy is still growing. Sales 
at the U.S. retailers jumped 3% in January, the biggest increase in almost two years, as Americans flocked to stores at the start of the new year. Retail sales are a big part of consumer spending and offer clues about the strength of the economy. Sales had been forecast to rise 1.9% based on Wall Street Journal poll of economists. Uh, Receipts increased a still strong 2.6% when auto dealers and gas stations are excluded. Car and gasoline purchases exacerbate the ups and downs in overall retail spending. The sterling January report could help generate a better-than-expected increase in first-quarter gross domestic product. At the same time, though, it could ramp up pressure on the Federal Reserve to keep raising interest rates to try to tame inflation. Strong economic growth tends to add to inflationary pressures. Okay. Well, I mean, this is crazy. So, first off, this is nominal, and we just got the January CPI, so... January CPI was 0.5%. Retail sales surged 3%. So we have to minus that, you know, adjusted for inflation, say it would would be go down to 2.5%. That would put it more in line with some previous previous months, at least in a post-GFC normal, that would put it back in line with some of those previous months. Um, but also a lot of people are saying that this is going to, this means that the Fed is going to keep hiking rates, that the Fed has some sick. I mean, yeah, they, they have said they need to crush demand to bring inflation back in line, right? Quote unquote inflation or CPI back in line uh, into bring it down into more stable levels. Um, and they think they have to crush demand to do so. And so that's what they've been signaling. And with retail sales surging, that means they haven't crushed demand enough. And then that means that they'll continue to raise. But no, I don't think so. Okay, Powell has, from the beginning, said that CPI was transitory. And what we're seeing now in the last six, seven months is CPI is transitory. We had a little slight increase in January, but that is not out of line of expectations. You know, you can't get a straight line down. Nothing goes down in a straight line or up in a straight line. And so if CPI is falling, you can get zero readings and then you might have a little bit of a bump. It's not re-acceleration. It's just a temporary blip and then it continues to moderate. So I think Powell believes that inflation or CPI is still transitory. I still believe that too. Hey guys, jumping in on the edit, that was clear as mud, and I don't know if this is going to make it any better, but the idea, there's just uh, so much confusion around this uh, for myself and and others, of course, is, okay, so the Fed has raised rates dramatically, and that led to a surge in retail sales in January. It's led to better liquidity conditions. I've seen that floating around out there, and so things are improving so that must mean the fed has to do more of the same i mean what is to convince us that the fed does anything that the fed is actually able to stamp out demand that the fed is able to do what they say you know the more they double down on this perhaps the better liquidity gets and the better retail sales get and all of these other things Um, what happens if that's the case 
Are they going to continue to raise to 9, 10, 12%? I don't think so. The thing is, CPI has come down. The reason for Fed action has come down. It has always been transitory, just like Powell said. So the impetus behind this is not there. And the Fed doesn't really do anything. Okay, the Fed knows that they really don't do anything. They're trying to signal to the market to destroy itself. And the market isn't listening. What the Fed is going to fall back on is simply the fact that it's transitory. And it was always transitory. Okay. Maybe that made it more clear. <laughs> all right. That's all I have for today. Kind of a weird, awkward show here, guys. Not much to talk about. After the big day yesterday of CPI and then my Market Pro letter this morning, uh, trying to figure out some things to talk about here today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to end the stream for YouTube and Twitter but I'm going to keep the mic open on Telegram. So if you guys are watching over there and you want to join the Telegram, t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets, come join the conversation. Check out bitcoinandmarkets.com. The YouTube channel is BTC Market Update. It's a brand new channel that I just created about a month ago or so, and I'm trying to build up the subscribers over there. So um, make sure you subscribe and like and comment on YouTube. That will help other people find the channel. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. And I'll check you on the next one. Bye.